So it's uh, Wednesday the 15th of July at about half past 11 and I'm sitting here about, we're outside um, having a tea and we're about 10 miles away from Woolicombe on the North Devon coast and uh, a very kind and generous young lady called Elena from Romania has agreed to give us a little account of, of how she came to live here in England from Romania, what made her move from Romania to here, and, and then of course how she's coped with this crisis and what impact it's made on her life. And also, if I might ask you uh, to share with us any insights that you have been given as to the nature of the crisis, where it's come from, where it's going, but personal ones about how you've coped with the crisis, especially as uh, I've heard that you were living with someone in a very vulnerable category, um, your, your partner is in a vulnerable category. So I'll pass over to Elena and let her begin her story. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, my name is Elena. I'm, uh, I'm Romanian. I'm 28 years old and I moved here in 2016 uh, to live with my partner. We met a year before, in 2015, in, in London. I've been a, a tourist and he was sitting in, in the hotel I, I sat. So basically we started a, a friendship relationship. Um, we started to talk on the phone and um, obviously on Facebook and um, he invited me here because he's um, he's from Dave, Devon, he's local, because uh, local, um, he likes the ocean and all that, and I've never seen the ocean, so just by, for curiosity, I came here a few times. We got closer and closer, and one year after, I decided to move here. It was a bit difficult, because my English wasn't that good, so I didn't really know exactly what how it's going to be. It was quite a risky, a risky move from, from me. But I found this job. It's not exactly what I would like to do for my entire what life, is, but... What is the work you do? Here I'm a, I'm a, a senior waitress in the in the restaurant, and obviously I do help here and there whatever whatever they need me. I'm doing a, at the moment an NVQ course in management, so we shall see. Maybe in a few, or but I don't know. I'm not really sure at the moment. This crisis, as I'm going to speak later on, kind of opened my eyes a little bit <laughs> about what I would like to do with my life and stuff. Well, tell us a little bit about that now that you've mentioned the opening of your eyes. All right. Um, well, um, I've um, I've been to a military college in Romania for four years. Um, it was quite stressful for me. I didn't really like it, so I decided to, to go in a different area. So I studied literature for a while, French literature, and um, straight after that, I found a job actually in a French company. who had nothing to do with the with the fact that uh, I studied literature. It was just a, a sourcing company, so I was doing their work contracts and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I came here and obviously I started doing this job and I got a bit confused again with what I would like to do. And, uh, and when, when all this crisis started, I found myself in a very weird position, actually. I was, uh, because we had so much time off in, on our hands and we, I really didn't know what to do with my life. So I kind of, I tried to binge a few movies, a few TV shows. I tried a bit of yoga, I tried a bit of Pilates and I tried to read a bit. And after a while, I just, I kind of had a revelation one day. I was just thinking, if I wouldn't be paid, what, what would I, I would like to do? What would be my, my dream job and what, what can I do? And I, 
I think I would like to work with people. I think I would like to help people, to counsel people. Or, and I think this is where I'm going to go. And maybe at the end of this crisis, I don't know when that, when that is going to happen, when things are going to get better. Or I think I would like to go back to school and study psychology. And that was kind of like my revelation. <laughs> so I think I'll go in that area as soon as all this comes down a bit. Yeah. And so in terms of psychology and emotions, um, did you learn anything from this three-month period that made you feel that you had something to give to other people to help them to overcome stress, anxiety, panic, fear? Is that the kind of insight yeah. that you got? I think, I think that I realized in this time that uh, how much we need each other, actually, and how important it was to, uh, to just communicate and just to see people and just to, just to care in general. Because um, obviously I've, I've, I've lived with my partner for, for four months nonstop and he, he got a letter right from the beginning of this thing that he needs to be shielded. And uh, basically we, we relied on other people to do our shopping because we couldn't get out of the house for quite a while. And uh, we just, I just realized what, how happy I was just by talking with my parents and just seeing them and just talking with my colleagues at work and just just appreciating them, just appreciate like the little things and uh, obviously being on social media all the time and uh, because that was the thing, that was the thing that kind of kept us connected. I've seen how how many people actually were affected by it and I was just thinking by the people who were living alone, for example. I actually have a few colleagues who live alone and uh, they weren't allowed to go home, they were Polish and they basically they couldn't go home at that time and they, left, um, they were living here with no one. It was really hard for them and I just realized that we need to help each other. It doesn't matter what, what all this is about. It, I just think I could... Sometimes it just matters just to receive a message, a message from someone or just a simple, how are you doing? Are you all right? Or just to check up on people. Um, I, I just realized living non-stop with someone for four months, I just realized how many things I didn't know about him. That was a, that was a quite interesting <laughs> because obviously when you live with, when you live with someone you you kind of get to know each other in a few levels but you don't spend day after day with each other so but that was this one was different and I I realized how how little I knew actually and it was that was a quite interesting was it a happy revelation about these inner dimensions it was actually yeah it was because I always kind of had the feeling that I'm I'm not uh, listen to or I'm not uh, appreciated enough and I just realized that it's not true just by, just because if, if we don't express our feelings if he doesn't express his feelings the way I would like to that doesn't mean he doesn't care and I just realized it's it's actually completely different you don't know what person thinks it's were you struck by the contrast between Romanian culture and English culture yes it's so different but in a good way i after um it was very hard at the beginning i think i was actually quite depressed in like the first year because i obviously i came here on my own i didn't have anyone i had to make friends i had to start from from scratch uh, i didn't know what i was going to do with myself I, I for a few a few times i kind of actually wanted to go back as well so that was quite uh, quite hard as well but everything is so different I, from I mean, everything, everything is different. <laughs> just the, just the way you express yourself. Just this, um, 
Oj, oh, fan, saying it right there. Upper, upper, um, upper lip? Up, stiff upper lip? Stiff upper lip. <laughs> yeah, you have this thing here and uh, that we don't. Um, we are more volca- volcanic and more expressive. We, if we have a problem with someone, we just say it to their face. You, you guys here are very, very. Um, I'm not sure if I can find the word. Well, um, you don't express yourself as much as, as we do. You kind of keep it inside, and uh, which comes sometimes across as being cold or being. Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but it's not true. It's just this is how you are, and I just realized this is how you are. I do like your humor. It's absolutely brilliant. It took me a, it took me a while to to get used with it. And I couldn't I couldn't quite get it to start with. Um, but I'm I'm watching everything with subtitles just to improve my English and just see how every every little thing is uh, is written because our languages are very different. In, in Romanian, for example, you are reading a word exactly how it's how it's written. For example, this one this one thing here table not sanitized. I would re- I would read it table. It's that for us it's completely different. It's completely different language. Yeah. So that was a thing that I had to to get used with. Um, I absolutely love Only Fools and Horses. That's my favorite show. <laughs> uh, I love your stand up. Uh, Del Boy. Oh, Del Boy. Del Boy is absolutely brilliant. He always makes me laugh. And I have a cousin who was like Del Boy. Really? Because <laughs> although our background is Pakistan, Iran, and so on. Um, my cousin was uh, only about a year when he came over from Pakistan. His name was Baba, and he was called Bob. And he was very much like that. Really? Very similar character. <laughs> that's just a pleasure to be around, isn't it? Just someone who kind of lifts you up no matter, no matter how sad you are. And Rodney. Oh, Rodney is brilliant. <laughs> and that suit that never fits him is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and I, I really like your your stand-up comedy here. It, it took me a while to get it, but now I, I really do like it. You don't have anything like that in Romania. We do, but our our humor is very different. Our humor is more like uh, like, like Michael McIntyre, for example. He's more like more expressive. He just jumps on the scene and he dances. And but uh, most of your comedians aren't like that here. You're more like a subtle humor and something like that. So that that's what I really like. I do like your food. I absolutely love your food. My my favorite thing is. Um, an English scone with a bit of uh, clotted cream. We don't have clotted cream, so yeah. this is absolutely brilliant here. Yeah. We don't have roasted dinners like you have here. I, sh- I actually find that a bit much. <laughs> um, but going back to the, the difference between the, the volcanic, you mentioned you used the word volcanic. About yeah. Rain. Don't you think that the, the stiff upper lip approach is actually more volcanic because there's a lot of suppression going on? And when you suppress emotions and feelings, they often come out as a volcano when they do come out. You're right, actually. Yeah, but most of the time it doesn't come out here, does it? That's right. Whereas in Romania, it's like like a pressure cooker that you're always letting off the steam. So there's no big explosion at the end. No, because they're all big. (laughs) They're all quite big. And I've noticed in my arguments with my partner, for example, because he is quite, quite calm. But like you said... After he had enough, after a while, I don't know, a month or two after he had enough, he just explodes. But that doesn't happen very often. While, while I explode kind of all the time when I when I have a problem, I just I just need to say it. I can't keep it inside because otherwise I can't. I'm just gonna think about that thing all the time, so I can't I can't move on. <laughs> exactly. No, I think that that that's an important point. In, um, that if you if you don't express your emotions on a regular basis 
and in a controlled way, they will end up exploding in an uncontrolled way. And uh, yeah. that's probably something that we all have to learn, that we're all learning through, perhaps through this uh, time of forced reflection, interiorization, um, and then reflecting upon, as you say, the arguments that you may have. With your part. You know, the, the, the lawyers are having a great time at the moment because so many couples are beginning heard, divorce yeah. proceedings. They can't get on. It's, it's quite a yeah tragedy. because you are when you're forced somehow to live with someone like that and you have nowhere to go because i was actually thinking we had to make a pact at the beginning of, all, of this thing i said look we're gonna live together for who knows how long if we're gonna where before we had like an explosive argument and one of us just left the house and just went somewhere to a friend or to his mom or i went for a for a walk or something like that now it wasn't really possible so we're gonna have to kind of keep it contained and just uh, learn to live with each other or just to i don't know to learn to deal with it somehow so we won't have to because you didn't have anywhere to go so you kind of had to and you literally you couldn't even leave your your house for a walk it was like the first month when it when the r number was really high and when there were a lot of deaths he they on his letter it was actually written there with you are not allowed to, you are not allowed to, we strongly advise you not to leave the house. So we, because we were both very, very scared, we didn't leave the house at all. So, and his mom brought us the, the shopping, left them on the door. We had to wash them and bleach them and just, so we were like extremely, extremely cautious there. After a while, I started to go and do the shopping and he stayed in the house. We started going in a car for a few wandering about and now he is coming to a few shops but very rarely like once a month or something like that he's still shielded until the end of august and we shall see after that how how it's gonna go but now we're not as scared anymore as we were in march or in april now it's a bit i don't know why that is but maybe to be really honest with you i mean i absolutely i believe everything that the the media says and when i don't know 90% maybe, but in the same time, because when you, I don't really know if in this case, just social media is the best thing ever to have, because you read all these things every single day and everyone has their own opinion and you kind of just, and I actually saw something the other day, someone actually asked, do you actually, he just asked in the, in the public chat, do you guys actually know anyone who had the virus? And I actually thought about, no, I actually don't. I actually don't know anyone who knows anyone that had the virus but but at the same time that doesn't mean it's not there but maybe because of this reason we're not as scared anymore i don't know it's just a weird thing and maybe because in here in the southwest it, it, the things weren't that bad i actually have someone who works at the hospital and we kept kind of like asking him all the time are there people there and it, at some point the the maximum people admitted in the hospital here with coronavirus was 20 so they weren't a lot at all so maybe that's why we're not so scared anymore and but at the beginning yeah when, yeah that was quite terrible it was but we were lucky we had the balcony so we kind of sat on the balcony and uh, looked outside and yeah that was okay but yeah like you said it's um, with all the divorces and stuff like that i think you kind of realize when you you're forced to live with someone if he's the one or she's the one or because you don't really have uh, anything to do, so you kind of have to focus on each other. Yeah, but now we started, I started work, he works from home, 
he has the possibility to work from home, so that's all right. But I started work here last week, I think. And it's actually harder than I thought it's going to be. Because you have to be constantly aware of what you're doing. You have to... Uh, I have to actually control my hands so I won't touch my face or touch my hair because I, I've always kind of like touched it um, without realizing it. It's unconsciously. So I couldn't... So now I have to be the focus non-stop on my hands. Just be careful what you're doing. Be careful what you're touching. Wash your hands non-stop. It's quite challenging. Uh, especially because... You have to put on a smiling face, a happy demeanor. You're not really allowed to show that degree of nervousness. You've got to be in, in the hospitality. Exactly, profession. yeah. You've got to continue as if it's normal. Uh, it, it's quite challenging. It is, and it's very, it's very stressful. I actually noticed I was comparing with how it was before. Well, before we just we had always a lot of guests here, like plenty of guests always on a day-to-day -day basis 80 to 90 guests so it was really busy all the time and not necessarily stressful because uh, 80 to 90 people in in february and march we actually had really? a lot of people yeah because we had the we had this deal for lunches and for uh, and we had a lot of people from outside coming where now we're not allowed to bring people from outside anymore it's just for residents so we've been really actually actually this year it was meant to be a promising year yeah it was because usually we were really quiet in January and February, but this year was like proper, proper good. But obviously not anymore. Now we're not allowed to have as many people. And it's very stressful because you, I mean, everyone seems very calm and everyone seems very, all our customers, I mean, very, very all right. And I'm, I'm not really sure how, how to take that. If it's, I suppose you have to move on, don't you? I mean, you have to. But it's hard, and I was actually noticing how tired I am now when I'm going home. I just want to sleep. I don't. I don't even want to think about anything. I just want to sleep. Well, I'm sorry, I've asked you to do this at the time. Oh no, no worries, no worries about that. No, no, that's actually my my last shift for for this week. <laughs> well, actually, it wasn't I who asked. It was your manager who I asked. I said, "Do you have anyone on on your staff who might be willing to have a conversation for my website?" Uh, so it was he who asked you, he thought about it, and he thought, well, I'll ask Elena. Elena. So, now, one, one of the things I am very interested in regarding Romania is that um, I've heard that in Romania you still have many hermits who live in isolated situations all over the country, individuals, um, members of the of the orthodox church but they don't they're not part of the church as such they're like holy men holy women who live in very isolated places and ordinary romanians can go and visit them and ask spiritual advice just like in the old days in traditional times yeah i was i was a bit confused i didn't know what you were talking about to start with but now i know like a like a spiritual guru you mean exactly we don't have as many anymore. There are a few, I have to admit, there are a few, but uh, um, they're not seen as good as they were, mm. you know, because obviously we, we kind of, um, it's a very weird thing, the, the religious party in Romania. I mean, uh, the, obviously the majority of us, we are um, Orthodox. Uh, there's a very small minority with Catholic people. We have a lot of uh, 
um, we call them Roms, but I probably you, you know them here about gypsies. Yeah, uh, I'm not really sure what their religion is, but um, I'm not really sure. But these people you're talking about, I'm not sure they have as many as many people uh, going to see them. I actually saw a few years ago one of them at the news that uh, was living in complete in complete uh, isolation with uh, with his family in in the mountains. Mm. And obviously, people are are going there sometimes and ask for like natural remedies mm. and uh, natural and uh, uh, advices. But I'm not sure they are so uh, looked upon. I, so see. I, I, see. I haven't heard many many things about it. Mm. But we do have uh, extreme cases as well. For example, we had a um, um, we had a priest who basically lives in complete isolation with uh, with his wives. He's not even allowed to have so, so many wives by through our religion. You're not even allowed. But he lives with with his wives. He has about ten wives, and he lives in the mountains, and he doesn't want any contact with the outside world. Yeah. So there are extreme cases like that, but. Uh, do you feel though that that um, you have inherited a a spiritual tradition that makes the general populace, the general population of Romania, the people, um, more receptive to religion than England, which is much more removed from its spiritual tradition? Um, as you know, a very tiny proportion of people go to church compared to compared to Romania. I was actually very surprised when I uh, when I found out this uh, this thing when I came here because I'm not a very religious person myself but uh, I'm more of an agnostic I would say I, I I believe just just in case that something happens and I have to, I have to admit that in a, in a in the spirit I actually prayed I have to, I have to admit and mm. I had some problems before with my my partner's uh, health and we had a few financial problems and I have to admit I I did pray because just because I I thought that was like my last resort, but I, in Romania we uh, we do. I remember when I was a kid, uh, my nanny forced me to go to church, and she she basically dragged me with her. Yeah, a lot of people in Romania are going to church, but mainly old people. I would say there's like this younger generation now. Like my my parents are in their fifties, and they don't go to church. Basically, it kind of started with them. They they only went to church when they got married, when they baptized me and stuff like that. But my nanny, who's eighty, she goes to church every single Sunday, every single big holiday. And if you're going to Romania in a church, the major majority of people are going to be uh, old ladies, like over seventy, I would say. Mm-hmm. But you kind of inherit this thing. For example, when when we walk on the street, yeah, and there's a church in front of us, we have to make the the sign all the time. It's it's just like in the sign of the cross. Yes, you just have to make it. You just have to literally stop in front of the the church and make the cross. That's like something that everyone does. Mm. Every time you you meet the the priest, you have to stop and have a conversation with him. Before every major holiday, the priest come comes to your house and we pray together. And he basically goes through every village, every little house. So is this mutual respect i would say and i mean you are allowed to have your own beliefs of obviously but you kind of everyone knows that the church is there mm. but they did have a lot of problems in the past few years as well because uh, romania is a very corrupt country and they they were spending millions of millions of euros on building on like this massive church like with the with the gold the roof and stuff something like that and obviously the people got really really angry why don't we invest in our hospitals and we invest in this ridiculous church we don't need this church and it's yeah so people some i think they have there are mixed feelings Mm. on this thing Mm. 
What I found interesting is that you said, I have to admit that at certain points in this crisis, I prayed as a last resort. Uh, you see, people are embarrassed about praying. They say, I have to admit. Instead of just saying that I was brought to a point in the crisis where I realized I can't really get through this without God's help. And that therefore I turned to God in my moment of need. And somehow that turning to God strengthened my faith and made me realize that I'm not an atheist. I am an agnostic. I, I don't, I'm not sure about it. Because you know agnostic means one who does not know. Agnostic. Gnosis yeah. from the Greek yeah, to, yeah. to know. So I don't know, but my heart, my mind might not know, but my heart knows there is this ultimate reality and that we've all come from that reality and we're all returning to it when we die. So it's when we come close to death, whether it's in terms of a crisis that's unresolvable or something, and it's at those points that people realize actually there is a deep dimension of faith in my heart and uh, this could be the beginning of a restoration of a spiritual life that one from from our point of view um, as Muslims we believe that every child is born according to the perfection of primordial human nature fitra and that as we go through our childhood and everything, we, we are conditioned by our environment. But that deep down, there is this core of our humanity, which is open to the reality of the divinity. That's the Muslim yeah, yeah. belief. Um, so the idea of original sin is not quite there in Islam. There's something... Is it not? No. But Adam, yes, Adam fell from paradise, Adam and Eve. Um, but unlike in the Christian narrative, in Islam, <clears throat> as soon as Adam fell, he repented and God accepted his repentance and gave him revelation to guide him back to paradise. Right. That's the Islamic version of the Adamic story. So, the Quran also says that there are people who, when they're on a ship and there's a storm raging, and they're fearful, they turn to God, they say, please save us. And when God saves them, they forget all about God and go back to the old way of life. <laughs> well, that's, that's a very good, good story for how we are in general as people, isn't it? Because you are praying for God, but when, when you're like really happy and everything works all right, you don't really go and oh, you don't really remember, do you? You just think, oh, it's... Yeah, but uh, I'm not, don't, I don't think I'm... You wouldn't say uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, you wouldn't go and meet your friends and say, oh, I prayed last night, wouldn't you? Because th that sounds a bit embarrassing, but it's not, actually, yeah. if you think about it. It's not, because it was so hard at the beginning when no one knew anything about, about this disease. And probably now we know a few things, but at the beginning it was really hard. We, we had no idea how, how where, where is it from, how, how do you... It was just uh, terrible, wasn't it? So it was just that... Uh, I couldn't sleep at night. I actually found myself. I just couldn't sleep. I was just thinking, what if tomorrow I just wake up and that's it? That's it with us. It's we're all gonna die at some point. It was, it was just terrible. Do you, have you heard of, the, of something called the the Jesus prayer, the prayer of the heart? 
it's, sure. it's it's a formula that the the monks, nuns, and mystics, and hermits, spiritual gurus, as you mentioned earlier, that for from the very beginning of Christianity, it would be a prayer that would be what today we would call meditation, All and right. it simply says, uh, "Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner." And then it gets shorter and shorter, so that you repeat it and you're thinking about it all the time. Not just when you want something from God, but just when you're eating, when you're walking, when you're working. It's constantly repeating, so that you're always in the presence of the divine reality that Jesus made present for us. And I say us because, as Muslims, we also believe that Jesus was a prophet and that we believe he was born of a virgin. We believe that many of the same principles. Um, but this attitude to prayer is one that goes beyond simply making supplication, petition, please God help me, I need this, I need that. It's actually saying, almost like saying, thank you, God, for everything you've given. Not, please God, give, give me, me this that yeah. you haven't given me but to saying you've given me life you've given me food you've given me shelter yeah and if you find yourself deprived of those things then you say please go and help me i don't have food i don't have this but instead of that attitude to prayer the traditional core of mystical yeah. practice in christianity in islam in all the traditions is to be consciously thinking about the source of our life which is at the same time thinking about the end of our life, what happens when we die. So that the beginning and the end come together in the present moment where we are giving ourselves in gratitude to God. Yeah, that's a very good way of uh, saying. And, and your tradition is rich in that prayer. Yeah, Romanian. we actually have a, um, I'm not sure how you call it here, we call it Our Father, the, this yeah. little prayer that we, you can repeat. Can you just it? recite it in Romanian for us, the Our Father in Romanian. Do you know? Yeah, it? yeah. Um, Tatăl nostru, slowly and clearly. Okay. Tatăl nostru, care ne ești în ceruri, sfințească-se numele tău, vie împărăția ta, facă-se voia ta, precum în cer, așa și pe pământ. Pâinea noastră, cea de toate zilele, dă-ne o nouă astăzi și nu ne duce pe noi în ispite, ci ne izbăvește de cel viclan. Amen. So, it's the same as, uh, yeah, I mean, in English it goes something like this. Um, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Yeah. I think that's it. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, yeah it's just. I the, think yeah. I may have got one or two words wrong because I learned this, of course, at school. I went to a boarding school, um, and I, I didn't know anything about Islam, but I knew quite a lot about Christianity because we went to church every Sunday. We sang hymns in the church. And so you're a you're a Muslim, though. I'm a Muslim, yeah. but my uh, you know what a boarding school is? Where you yeah, sleep. yeah. When you sleep, yeah, 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 yeah. So from the age of eleven to sixteen. Um, I knew nothing about my own religion, except that I mustn't eat pork, mustn't drink alcohol. That's yeah, so like I, this the rules, like this the rules. Yeah. But but uh, but Christianity was the was the only religion I, I ever I properly knew.
So you extend it. So you found your uh, your your other religion after after that. Or yes, you, I you have I to look had, for it. <laughs> I, I had a conversion, a sort of born again Muslim experience when I was twenty five. Okay. So I didn't know anything about the religious side. I knew about the politics because I studied international relations, and so I studied Islam as a political factor rather than as a spiritual reality uh, and uh, yeah. oh, very interesting actually <laughs> then are you happier now that you found the well it's a long time ago this is 1985 and um, yes I, I feel as if I've found the path that I was meant to follow I'm very yeah. secure and happy in that path but um, whether you, uh, the more you advance in knowledge of your religion and the practice, the more you realize how far you are from true virtue. The Prophet Muhammad said that I was only sent to you as a prophet for the sake of making perfect the noble traits of good character. As if he's saying that the only purpose of religion is to have a good character. Everything else will fall into place if you improve your character, you improve yourself. But that's very true though, isn't it? It is. And do you, sorry for asking that, I, I actually never, I actually know a few Muslim people and I've never, do you have the concept of uh, uh, atheism in your, in your religion? Well, see, atheism is saying there is no God. Yeah. I do not believe there is a God. And the basis of Islam is to say, La ilaha illallah, there is no God except God. So atheism, it's not as if you can sort of practice Islam for the sake of improving your character without this opening out into the higher reality. We see that the good traits of character, to be generous, one of the names of God is Al-Karim, which means the generous one. So when you become more generous, inevitably you are coming to reflect a reality that is found in all its perfection in God. So you can't say, I'm going to try and be more generous, be less miserly, but I don't really think there's a God out there. It's inconceivable. You become, your effort to become generous is deepened the more you see that the source of generosity is God and having created the universe and that he gave, she gave, it's, it's uh, the reality of God is beyond masculine and feminine. Um, but if you have to try and define God, you do it through what's called the Basmala, which is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. It's the phrase that begins every chapter of the Quran. And when you begin to eat, I say every chapter, there's one that doesn't. Chapter nine doesn't have it. And they speculate, why did this chapter not begin with it? But when you begin to eat, uh, begin an important initiative, you always say, in the name of God, the lovingly compassionate, the lovingly merciful. Yeah. And the love element is very important because the two words, Rahman, Rahim, are both from the same root, which is Rahama. And that Rahim means the womb of the woman. 
No, no. So you're constantly invoking this maternal archetype when you say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And the Prophet gave an indication about this subtle relationship between ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and the love that the woman has for her newborn babe because he was with his companions at a very difficult moment and they saw a woman running crying looking for her baby that she had lost in this chaotic situation and she found the baby just in front of the prophet and his companions she lifted up her baby she touched it to her breast and she fed it she was so grateful she was so joyous and the prophet said to his companions do you see what rahma same root what rahma this woman the mother has for her baby they said yes oh messenger of god this is a beautiful scene and he said god has more rahma for you on the day of judgment than this mother has for her baby so he used the love of the mother for her newborn babe yeah. as the best image to help us to begin to imagine and intuit the nature of God's love. So, yeah, because it's, there's nothing bigger, isn't there's it? There's nothing is greater. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That, that, that's quite a great story, actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of that, and uh, actually in lockdown, I had to. I re I never consider myself a person who who would like to have kids. I mean, I always thought that maybe I'm too childish or too selfish, or maybe not, at least not now. I'm too young for that. Maybe I'll leave it for the, I don't know, late thirties or something. Like that. I just realized that it's it's not actually accurate. I would actually really like to have kids. I don't know where that came from. It's just kind of like I had to kind of think about it. Wouldn't that be just amazing to have someone that looks like you and like a little mini version of you or it, I don't know it's just kind of like made me think I didn't even speak to my, spoke to my, uh, my partner about that but I'm kind of waiting for the right moment because <laughs> we're not married yet so I'm kind of like good for I'm, you, I'm uh, waiting that, for the right that, moment that's very well good and I think he would be in complete agreement this you know <clears throat> there's an English saying with every cloud there was a silver lining the cloud may be dark, and it may be threatening, but there's a silver lining around it. And one sees that with this coronavirus cloud, there is a silver lining. People are turning to love and to compassion, as you said earlier at the beginning, how much we need each other. Exactly. How impossible yeah. it is to live in isolation. It's so unnatural. It's and terrible. It, cutting off from other people is cutting yourself off from a deep part of yourself and that we're only ourselves in relationships with other people exactly yeah you just cannot live on your own can you because i remember when we've been after a month and a half we've been for a little drive that was the first time we came we came up i swear it was so gorgeous the trees were amazing the, the flowers were amazing the little birds were everything was absolutely amazing i, I could not believe it it was just and we started to just go around Devon. I don't know, have you ever been in Devon, like, properly before? A few times. 
if you just walk on the moors, which I've, I've been here for four years, and I never had the patience or just the curiosity. I mean, I've been in, like, the main places, yeah, but I've never walked on the moors or something like that. Everything is amazing here. It was absolutely gorgeous, and I've never seen... It. I just discovered things that I've never seen before, which it just made me think, why Why did I never have the curiosity? Just because I knew it was there, I'm, I'm just going to go and do it at some point in my life? Why? I just realized that you don't have to wait for the things you want. Just if you really want to see something or you really want to do something or to, I don't know, eat something, just do it now because you never know. Particularly regarding virgin nature. Exactly, yeah. Because we're not realizing how lucky we are, is exactly. it? Just give us a, a, a summing up of, of um, what advice would you give to people who are listening and who might be able to benefit from the insights that you have got? these last four months uh, if something comes to your mind if not don't worry well I would say um, try to be um, but I'm, I'm just gonna talk to myself yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna try to give uh, um, a few advices to myself uh, try to take every day as it is um, be happy be patient um, just listen to yourself, um, try to kind of seize the day and just go for it, whatever, whatever you want. Um, don't just wait for something good to come up or for like a little uh, door to open. Just, uh, just follow your dreams. And uh, if you're not happy, get out of that situation and look for something else because that's what life is, just a continuous uh, fight. Fight. A fight. A continuous, no, 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 I'm interested in that. Elaborate a little A fight bit. with yourself, I would say. Fight with yourself. If you're, because there are so many people who kind of... Uh, I would give here my, the example of my, my parents. For example. My parents haven't been happy for ages. Because I remember when I was a kid, they always used to be really unhappy. And they always had these little bickerings about each other. And they stayed because they, they thought that's a, the normal thing to do. And I, I would actually say just try to be... Try to kind of seize the moment, and if you're not happy, look for something better. Just know your worth, and just look for something better, and fight for yourself. Thank you very much, Alina. No problem.